you mentioned the Sufis, so I want to take this chance as a segue to our final chapter, which is Sufism in the Hanbali school. And I think that in daily life, Tasawwuf and its meanings and its content have a far greater impact than a lot of the things that we were talking about before. Uh, for the scholar and the common Muslim. Okay. Uh, let's go into the Senate here and see where does Tasawwuf, how does it rise? And, and Tasawwuf, I mean, it's a general meaning of inner directedness towards Allah. Imam Ahmad Zarruq, uh, he de de defines it as that. So the word doesn't need to exist. Certain practices don't need to exist. It's merely the inner directedness with one's intent in his actions towards Allah and nothing else. And that's Imam Ahmad Zarruq's intention. So I'd like you to speak about tasawwuf in the Hanbali heritage. And also I'd like you to speak about its application to ourselves and our daily lives in this context. Being, that, being in a world where uh, doubts are spread around and sometimes doubts are best combated with dhikr, not necessarily with knowledge. Shahawat are thrown at us. Sometimes the you know uh, Quran and dhikr also are a better uh, uh, response to that. So I'd like you to speak on that. Yeah, well, uh, uh, certainly uh, I believe that the Islamic awakening, and I am very vocal about this within the circles that I am active in, and I am active in a, a lot of circles because I, I don't believe in partitions. Uh, but also I am active in circles that are uh, sort of hardcore Salafi uh, circles and I believe about how uh, deprived uh, the discourse, the Muslim discourse, the Islamic discourse has become of that moisture, <laughs> you know, that uh, uh, and how dry it has become because of this aversion to the concept of Sufism and Tasawwuf. And no matter how much you say that, uh, and I, I, you have uh, talked about, you know, the different stops in, in the Hanbali Madhab, and you uh, mentioned Wahhabism uh, uh, before, and uh, my thoughts about, about this. And honestly speaking, uh, I uh, don't believe, uh, I believe in sentences, I don't believe in the sort of swinging between thesis and antithesis, I don't take strong positions against or for people, I believe that reality is rational, I believe that certain development, historical development happened because, uh, because they were meant to happen, because they're, you know, because uh, there were efficient and sufficient causes for them uh, to happen. So I believe that there, are, there is the action and reaction. But my synthesis, uh, I don't call people Wahhabis, uh, honestly speaking, about the Najdi uh, strand of Hanbalism, uh, because this is where uh, Hanbalism uh, has become uh, sort of, uh, or is perceived to be anti-Sufi. Uh, the, 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 the Najdi strand of uh, Hanbalism, uh, 
first of all, uh, this is uh, this is not basically uh, uh, an illegitimate child of humbleism. It is a legitimate child of humbleism. Uh, so uh, we were talking about the SNED yesterday or before, uh, and we said that. Um, uh, you know, like someone like uh, Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab, for, mm. Ibn Abdul Wahab, for instance, uh, he he learned from uh, Sheikh Abdullah ibn Ibrahim ibn Saif, uh, who learned from Al Baali. Uh, uh, you know, learned from Abi Muahib. But there is a lot of Baali, so he learned from Abi Muahib ibn Abdul Baqi al Baali, who learned from his father and Ibn Balban. That's why the you know the Najdi scholars uh, like to teach Akhsar al-Mukhtasarat a lot because it was written by Ibn Balban, and that's fine because it's loyalty to your teachers. Uh, and Ibn Balban, uh, you know, learned from uh, Al-Muflihi, Al-Wafai Al-Muflihi, and Al-Wafai Al-Muflihi learned from uh, Al-Hajjawi, and Al-Hajjawi learned from uh, Al-Shuwaiki, and Al-Shuwaiki, or Shihab al-Din Al-Shuwaiki, or Shihab al-Shuwaiki, and Shihab al-Din Al-Shuwaiki learned from uh, Al-Askari, uh, that is Shihab al-Din Al-Askari, so Shihab al-Shuwaiki and Shihab al-Din Al-Askari. And he learned from Ala al-Mirdawi, and he learned from Abi Sha'ar, and he learned from uh, Ibn al-Laham, and he learned from Ibn Rajab, and he learned from Ibn al-Qayyim, and he learned from uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, and then Ibn Taymiyyah from Ibn Abi Umar, Ibn Abi Umar from Ibn Qudama, and Ibn Qudama we talked about, uh, you know, Ibn al-Manni, Abu al-Fatih Ibn al-Manni, Abu Bakr al-Dayrunuri, Abu al-Khattab, Abu Ya'la, Al Hassan ibn Hamid, etc. You know, after Hassan Muhammad, Ghulam al Khalal, and Khalal, and Maruthi, and Imam Ahmed. So it is a legitimate child of humbleism, uh, but they have an, uh, what I believe uh, sort of an uh, indefensible uh, aversion to Sufism mm -hmm. uh, or uh, to some extent aggression towards Sufism. The departures, uh, you know, and uh, and there, you know, the the, the Najdi scholars are not all one thing. The, the, there are different strands of Najdi scholars, and uh, believe me, I, there there are many who are moderate. Uh, maybe they are not particularly uh, famous or prominent. There are many who are moderate. Uh, and but you also have to understand that. Uh, you know, whether you're Najdi or Egyptian, you're going to be different from Indonesian scholars, for instance. The, the environment has an effect on people. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but the Najdi scholars and this sort of uh, position against the Sufism, I believe it is indefensible. I believe that if there were uh, like uh, significant departures, uh, Forget about the names and attributes now. I don't think that there was much departure there. Sometimes the way the presentation, uh, I have a, a little issue with the presentation. I dislike how some people present these issues and how some people stress them and the, 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 the uh, sort of uh, unmeasured exposure of, of the masses to them. I, I disagree with this, but the, in terms of departure in doctrine, it, it yeah. is not that much. Um, but in terms of the, you know, uh, in terms of Asma, Bab al-Iman, Asma, 
you know, Emmanuel Kufr, there is a little bit of excessiveness in this. There is a little bit of excessiveness in the in the sort of uh, their approach their approach to bid'ah. It is a Ironically, uh, not that they may approach at all. It is an exaggerated Shatabi approach, uh, an exaggerated Shatabi approach. Shatabi himself was a lot more strict when it comes to Bila and Sunnah than Ibn Taymiyyah, for instance. But that's an exaggerated approach. And uh, then the, the other departure that has been very consequential is, is that uh, basically position towards Sufism. This is a departure from the Hanbali tradition that has been warm to, a lot warmer to the Salaf. Um, and a lot accepting, uh, you know, a lot more, you know, accepting of the Salaf. The ranks of Hanbalis are full of Sufis. You know, we consider, like, who's going to be more Hanbali than Harawi and Jilani, for instance? Um, Ibn al-Jawzi had his critique of Tasawwuf, but Ibn al-Jawzi was not anti-Sufi. Yeah. Uh, Ibn al-Jawzi was a great, like a great uh, wise, and, and, but he had, and people of different backgrounds and different orientations, they have their criticism of uh, departures, mm -hmm. uh, whether these departures from the pure Sufism were because of philosophical Sufism, uh, that, that, because there are different sort of phases of Tasawwuf. Uh, the, the first phase of Tasawwuf, or the pure Tasawwuf, uh, then came the sort of the psychological Tasawwuf that stressed, you know, the in, uh, stress was, like the focus was moved from Zuhd and etiquettes and Adab and, and so on, to the states and the psycho psychology, uh, mm. and then there was another development, which is the the philosophical tasawwuf, and uh, people have different criticisms, and many times are warranted. But what is unwarranted and what is uh, harmful is basically a wholesale uh, disavowal of a tradition that is so integral to Islam. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Because the Tazkiyah has come to be known as the sciences of the Sawuf or the past Tasawwuf. Uh, so we can't do away with that. In uh, the uh, Hanbali framework, is Tasawwuf a personal practice or does it have any communal element to it? Uh, as it's developed, the Majlis al-Dhikr has become one of the main focal points of the, the practice of Tasawwuf uh, for uh, many communities. And its benefits are sort of visible. You see people who would not regularly do a certain adhkar and dhikr uh, by themselves, but when presented with a group and then maybe some socialization afterwards and some food have come to easily practice it, uh, leading them in their homes to slowly do this themselves. Uh, is there any precedent for this in the Hanbali school? And uh, in fact, Ibn Taymiyyah does talk about Majalis's Thikr uh, approvingly. As like Tasbih uh, in unison or Qasaid and Adhkar and those in, in a unison? 
in unison is is the the, the, the issue here the, yeah. people can agree or disagree over this uh, mm -hmm. But Majlis to sit down together and make the uh, if if you add in unison, that is when that disagreement starts. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but there, uh, you know, honestly speaking, uh, I do not believe that this is a bidah personally. Uh, you know, but this is a fiqhi disagreement. Of course, yeah. Not a aqidi disagreement. And that is where we have to draw the line. Uh, this is not, you know, hack and bottle. This is not, uh, it's not even bid'ah or sunnah. It is just a fiqhi disagreement. Yes. Uh, and the different people from different Malhabi backgrounds, they may have different uh, thoughts about this. Yes. I, I, I personally don't believe that this is, I believe in the superiority of and that or Rabbi Tadar on Hofia or Donald Jarim and Tawil Bilbado Yal Asar. So it, it the, the, the sort of the individual, the personal, the individual uh, one, Zikr or, you know, Jamaiya, Ma'Allah Azawajal, this is, or togetherness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I believe that this is superior, but I believe that there. Uh, when people come together and sit together, this is established from the Sahaba. No one can argue about this, that to, to have majlis dhikr. Uh, the only thing is that in unison, like if we all make dhikr and we all remind each other of Allah and uh, we make tasbih and tahleel and, and so on, um, if you add in unison, then we can disagree and we can say that, okay, this is a valid fiqh disagreement. I believe it's not a problem. Uh, I personally believe it's not a problem. If you believe it is, uh, okay, it's it's a valid fiqhi disagree. And the reason that I bring it up is that while on the on the totem pole of 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 uh, knowledge, it will, as you said, it's a, a fiqhi matter that is on that pivots on that unis, unicity or the unison of the voice. But uh, in community life, it sticks out. Right, it sticks out and its impact and effect, and that's why I bring it up. Because sometimes the thing is really a non-issue in fiqh, but amongst the common Muslim, it becomes a big deal, right? Because of either their shock at it, exactly, either at the shock of seeing it, or the benefit of uh, the, the pre, uh, you know, the the benefit of uh, uh, of its fruits. So even though we would say that, yes, on a fiqhi matter, we have no problem either way with the positions. And we, we have this too in the Malikiyah, uh, that they do, there are Malikiyah that could say, no, that we don't do this, right? Uh, and so it's a fiqhi matter. But, but There are some Sufis, by the way. There are some, yeah. some yeah. Turok that do the singular. Yes, that's true. And, and they don't, like the Naqsabandiyah is famous for not accepting the loud adhkar. But the, and even there are some Turok... Uh, from the subcontinent that do not even have a maulid. Okay, so there are geographical elements as well. But the reason I bring it up is because it's one of those matters that is of, uh, in the books it would be far'i, but in the reality of community life and personal lives, people's personal lives, it becomes a big deal. Right? And it's one of those interesting matters that uh, is inverted in terms of its reality in the books versus its reality in actual real life that we live in. That's why I brought up that subject 
and I think that um, you know it's it's I think it's one of the things that people should become educated on because I think many times people when they're exposed to something that they have never seen before get a, a great shock right and their shock of that translates to them that this is uh, we don't even know if you're on Ahl Sunnah anymore right and so that sometimes and that that produces an uh, imbalanced response which is books this big to defend a mas'ala that really did not need more than you know one or two pages so that's one of the issues in, in between tasawwuf and ilm that I think was important just to bring up, at least for the sake of bringing it up. But also speak to us about the impact of uh, uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadr Jailani in the Hanbali school and has his order. And I don't know if it was in tariqah with a bay'ah in his time. I don't know that. And if maybe his sons, I believe, uh, initiated that. His children initiated that. Uh, could you speak to us on the concept of, or of that? Since since we're talking about this, yeah. I had mentioned yesterday that uh, Sheikh Uthman ibn Marzouk, who came to Egypt, yeah. he tried to make a link between him and yeah. uh, Abu Yala. Uh, actually, I I was thinking about this like uh, a long time ago, and I was trying to make a link between him and Abu Yala Sahir. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. I, I made a mistake yesterday when, oh, okay. when I was talking about it. It's actually Abu Ya'la al-Sagheer, not Abu Ya'la al-Kabir. Oh, okay. uh, that I, I can't establish the link, but I was saying that most likely they have come to see each other and uh, to know each other. Uh, but Sheikh Osman ibn Marzouk, uh, you know, um, his basically Hanbali uh, impact on Egypt did not last. It, it was Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Jamma'idi whose Hanbali uh, effect lasted. Sheikh Abdul Qadr and his children, uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadr, you know, is Sultan al-Awliya, the Hanbalis uh, and non-Hanbalis uh, recognize him as Sultan al-Awliya. Sheikh Abdul ibn Abdul Salam talks about, you know, uh, people's karamat having uh, been reported to him uh, through singular reports, except for Sheikh Abdul Qadr, his karamat is established through Tawatur. At least Sheikh Abdul says that. So uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadir does have a uh, an impact on um, on Sufi on the the course of the Sawuf. Uh, we know that Sheikh Al Harawi had an impact also on Hanbalis because he is Hanbali. Manazir Sairi, uh, the commentary Madarij Salikin, uh, you know. Uh, Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah owes much to Sheikh Al-Harawi and he keeps he you know uh, keeps on saying how much he, he owes to Sheikh Al-Harawi and a lot of uh, people in the Sufi path uh, owe a lot to Sheikh Al-Harawi um, but Sheikh Abdul Qadir's effect may have been stronger and greater and t- sometimes uh, you know it is uh, not because one person is less or inferior, but also uh, your location makes a difference and the time uh, makes a difference. So Sheikh Abdul Qadir was in Baghdad during that time where, you know, Hanbalism was blossoming in Baghdad, you know, close to the end, but still strong and blossoming. 
so contemporaries uh, like Abu Fath ibn al-Mani was his contemporary, Ibn al-Jawzi was his contemporary, he learned from Al-Khattab, you know, uh, also Samuri was his contemporary in Baghdad and all of the people who came to visit uh, Baghdad came to know Sheikh Abdul Qadir and like I said yesterday that Imam Nadama uh, and Al-Hafiz Abdul Ghani al-Maqdisi, they spent the first 40 days of their uh, time in Baghdad uh, with Sheikh Abdul Qadir, um, uh, hosted by Sheikh Abdul Qadir. Uh, and they uh, basically uh, took the Hanbali way from Sheikh Abdul Qadir uh, you, you can't really separate, uh, and I understand that there is like uh, the, the Sufi tariqas uh, and the um, that have their their own sanads, but sometimes uh, your your fiqh and tasawwuf get mixed together. And for Sheikh Abdul Qadir, it it was uh, mixed together. Uh, now, uh, uh, Yusuf ibn Abdul Hadi ibn al-Mabrat, he basically mentions his sanad to Sheikh Abdul Qadir through uh, ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. And uh, so that comes, this, the same sanad that we talked about yesterday, in fact, the Yusuf ibn Abdul Hadi come later, you know, and died in 909. Uh, but would would take the, his sanad through Ibn Qayyim, through Ibn Taymiyyah, through Ibn Abi Omar, through Ibn Qudama, and then from Sheikh Abdul Qadir. Now, everyone who came to Baghdad during this time, and we said that the, the, the people who came to Baghdad during this time, they took the Sawuf to Sham and Harran, and then the, uh, they took Hanbalism to Sham and Harran. Uh, and from Hashem to Egypt, and certainly people uh, took Sheikh Abdul Qadir's way, whether they they subscribe to the Tariqah or not. Uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadir had effect on Qadiri Hanbalis and the non-Qadiri Hanbalis in terms of organized tasawwuf versus uh, non-organized tasawwuf. But most of the Hanbalis are of the non-organized Tasawwuf, uh, at least the contemporaries, and, and, and certainly because most of the Hanbali Asanid now uh, uh, are Najdi and there is this... Yeah. There's an, it's an interesting point actually that Sidi Ahmed Zarruq brings up uh, in, in his book on Qawadza Tasawwuf. He says something very interesting. He said, the Sufi alone is the best, right? He's at his best. However, when they get together, they stop forbidding wrong, right? Because there's so there's so much love in the gatherings, and no one wants to ruin the momentum, right? By and ruin the mood, the mezaj, by forbidding wrong. So it's very interesting that he says that how there is organized tasawwuf and there is solitary tasawwuf, and how. He says that they're at their best when they're individuals, ashkhas scattered around, right, and interacting with the other mzija of the Muslims, the other mizaj, or the mizaj is like the vibrance, vibrations almost, or the moods of the Muslims, uh, as opposed to when it's uh, a group of people all being Sufis. He said he has a hesitation there because they tend to 
not want to upset that vibration or mood and therefore would not forbid the wrong. And so Menek Munkarats come into their circles and nobody says anything. So this is Imam So when you mentioned organized and non-organized, uh, it reminded me of that point by uh, Ahmed Zarruq, which is a very interesting point. Now, uh, you also mentioned the Asanid. I I want to cl- just I want to move on to a conclusion. If you don't have anything more to say about uh, tasawuf, I think you know uh, how can we implement that in our daily lives is a different topic than tasawuf in the history of the Hanbali our fo- uh, school. Our focus in this podcast has been the Hanbali school and its history. Uh, so, but if you do have any f- uh, final comments on tasawuf in general. I, I think that uh, you know we cannot afford basically to ignore the, the that part of our tradition and uh, that heritage. Uh, I think that this praise of the Salaf by some of our greater imams like Shafi and so on, uh, we we have to be aware that that criticism of certain Sufi practices or certain uh, uh, Sufi. Uh, uh, individuals, uh, we have to have that criticism of Sufis. We have criticism of fuqaha and criticism of muhaddisin and criticism of everyone, uh, so that we maintain the purity of the uh, path and yeah. the purity of the practice. So, and this basically self-critique is very important. Anyone who wants to practice the sawuf must practice self-critique. Yeah. And must be aware of the qawaad uh, al-tasawuf by Sheikh Zarruq rahmahullah. Yeah. Because there, there, there is much to learn from qawaad al-tasawuf uh, by him. Uh, and, uh, you know, emphasis on uh, basically the, the sharia is important. Uh, emphasis on clarity versus symbolism, because, uh, you know, symbolism led Although, you know, aphorisms uh, are beautiful, uh, but certainly excessive, excessiveness and symbolism without clarity uh, can be, um, can have its, its impact and uh, can mm-hmm. be detrimental. So uh, you, you will find that Harabi, for instance, liking Abu Sa'id al-Kharraz because of his linguistic finesse and uh, favoring him over Al-Junaid, for instance. I like Al-Junaid more. I like simplicity more and straightforward, straightforwardness more. It's part of Islam. You know, purity, transparency, simplicity, it's part of Islam. Uh, so I think emphasis on this, emphasis on the first generation as the model, uh, emphasis on Al-Amr bin Ma'roof and Nahyan and Munkar, uh, emphasis also on, uh, you know, Sunnah versus Bid'ah. Um, you know, the fact that some people exaggerate in, uh, in basically, uh, are sort of uh, exaggerate in the scope of Bid'ah, uh, mm-hmm. should not basically make us negligent of uh, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu uh, you, you really, we really need to pay attention to that. Imagine if the Sahaba were not vigilant about that. 
uh, imagine if there was a, like a little bit of departure at the time of the Sahaba from mainstream, because when you start yeah. to add things and change things, like a little departure at the beginning can result in enormous departure now. Yeah. And, you know, we would have not been able to uh, sit to, to, to recognize each other's practices. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and the distance between us would have been like the distance between different denominations and other religious uh, mm -hmm. traditions. So I think that with emphasis on these things, we can avail ourselves of that essential uh, part yeah. of our heart. I, I agree with that. I think the matter should become simplified. Uh, the symbolism oftentimes bothers. It, uh, I know it bothers me whenever I see any group really uh, starting to look separate from the Ummah uh, or starting to focus on superficials right, uh, of the matter. Actually, it obstructs the soul of itself. Right? The soul of itself is something that you almost want to be more hidden about your ibadat and your dhikr than be visible uh, with it in a, in a certain sense, right? It is what many people said, haqqa'iq and rasum and arzaq, you, yeah. know, you know, the Sufism of realities, the Sufism of ritualism, and the Sufism of uh, gains, material gains. Yeah. Well, that was definitely what many in Mauritania uh, were fighting against and said that it has simply become a, a profession and a, and a way to gain a lot of, uh, a lot of game, uh, gains. So, it's getting late, but let's go to the two points of the conclusion. Very simple conclusion. The first is a simple question. <laughs> Oh,